allowed to come into a church building and have a service, okay? Uh, we were doing it uh, up till recently. The week before Easter, we were having indoor services illegally, okay? And, and I, I wasn't doing it to defy the government, uh, and I hope you understand that. I'm, I'm, we were trying to do this underground uh, as much as inconspicuously as we possibly could. I'd, I'd ask everybody to drop everybody off at the front door, go park two blocks away. We'll come pick the driver up and bring him back. That way we may have two, three vehicles in the parking lot, and the officials drive by, they're not going to think anything's happening. So we were trying to do it underground, if you will, and we were doing that quite well. Um, Easter, no, the week before Easter Sunday, um, the Fauci of British Columbia, Bonnie Henry, said that she is going to allow the next three weeks to be open for services for, for anybody. And you could have up to four services within a three-week period. Of course, that was over uh, the Easter weekend, and, and, and all, you got the Buddhists, you got the Hindus, you got everything else there as well. And so uh, the Jewish people as well. So it, it was making it available to the general public and met and in British Columbia to be able to worship God in church. Now, the capacity was no more than 50 people, okay? Now, I need to back up because the, they don't tell you the fine print. You know, no government tells you the fine print, okay? The fine print, and we found this out by getting hold of BC Health, and that 50 people did not include the staff. It did not include volunteers. Well, about half of our people in our church are volunteers. I'm serious. Our orchestra, our choir, our ushers, our sound people, the ladies with the, uh, counting the money, they're uh, teachers, they're, they're all volunteers. Amen? Amen? Now, did you come to church voluntarily tonight? Amen. <laughs> You're a volunteer? No. <laughs> Amen. But, uh, you know, so they, they don't tell you that. We have to find out, right? And so... <clears throat> so uh, the week before Easter Sunday, uh, now we, we've been always having, you know, services regardless, indoor, against their wishes. We, we've been doing a live stream every week for many years now, all right? So those who are not able to come or choose not to come, they can watch a live stream at home. And, and so... That first Sunday, the week before Easter, we had a good amount of folks come out. They were excited. And, you know, there, there's something special, and that's what I kept on trying to emphasize to our people. There's something special about being in God's house together worshiping the Lord. There's a presence that you're not going to have at home watching live stream. Amen. There's a presence of God. Amen. And there's that sweet fellowship. And, and so it was amazing service. Uh, just, you know, and I had people tell me, Pastor, now I understand what you've been talking about. You know, being in God's house. And, and so we were all looking forward to the next Sunday, Easter Sunday. All right. So Monday, the next day, Bonnie Henry comes back out and she announces immediately, no more services. So all, 
all the churches, no Easter Sunday, uh, no other services, that, that one Sunday, that was it. So she took back the other two, you know. Um, yeah, welcome to the pandemic. all right? So it's, it's, it's been crazy. Um, one of the reasons why we took this break to come into the States, we are Americans, so we can, they can't deny us coming back into our own country. Um, but we were concerned that they're going to make the, uh, the vaccine mandatory for travel. And we refused to take the vaccine. Now, you make your own choice, but we refused to take it. Um, and, and so we thought if we're going to get to see our family, all our family are in the States, of course. And so if we're going to do that, we're going to do it now. We drove across country, all right? Drove down to Seattle to see our daughter, and she had the COVID, so we said bye. <laughs> and uh, we spent one night in Seattle, and, and then we drove to Iowa, and where Karen's sister is, and, and we drove to Ohio, Cincinnati area, and preached there and, and um, with a dear pastor friend. And then uh, we came to Virginia, where our daughter is, and spent time with her, and, and now we're here. So well, we've been having a wonderful time. God's blessed, giving us safety and, and enjoying that. But uh, so that was our concern. But another concern is that uh, do we need, you know, uh, again, to be able to travel, and they're talking about passport uh, vaccines, to be able to have passports and travel. And so we, we didn't want to do that. Another thing that they were doing is restricting travel. Um, they just did this right before we left. They said maybe about a week or two before we left, they said, you cannot leave your health district, okay? So Metro Vancouver, uh, if you're living in Metro Vancouver, you're not allowed to leave Metro Vancouver, okay? It's against the emergency COVID mandate, all right? Um, and so we thought we better get going, all right, soon. So we could not leave and go 20 miles east, all right? That would be breaking the law, okay? They're, well, not a law, a mandate, okay? So a anyway, that, that's, that's getting a bit crazy. This ought to be a time, and I hope you understand this. I truly do uh, hope you catch this. This ought to be a time when everybody is outside, Amen. getting fresh air and getting vitamin D from God, amen? amen? This ought to be a healing time of the year for you, Amen? And instead of doing that, Canada's restricted it more. They tell you, stay home. Don't go out unless you have to. All right? They even said this. If you have two homes, like you have a summer home, summer cottage, whatever, you have to choose one or the other. You can't do both. All right? That's how restricting it is. And it's getting crazy. There are four churches in British Columbia uh, that have been uh, fined now, now, right now, if, if I had a church service, indoor church service, I could have one year in prison, $10,000 fine, and every person attending you would be charged $560 for having a church service. We can have drive-ins. You can't have more than 50 vehicles. You cannot get out of your car. Okay? It, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. One of the things that we've been doing for about 14 months now is we've been using Zoom media uh, to have pastors, missionaries, evangelists every single night 
We've been doing this every night for 14 months. And it has been amazing. Uh, I, I thank the Lord God dealt with my heart about this early. If we're going to have our people get through this pandemic, and I truly do believe it is a pandemic, right? Let, let me qualify that real quick. I hate to make a statement like that and uh, not deal with it. It doesn't qualify as a pandemic. Do you know that? You have to have a minimum of nine people die, 9% of the people die for it to be qualified as a pandemic. We have less than 1%. Okay? All right. So this is a plan. And by the way, isn't it interesting that this is a global? Are you with me? This is a global effort? Okay. Uh, isn't it interesting that uh, globally, you can't have autopsies. That's interesting, right? I, I tell people, just, you know, connect the dots. What do you come up with? <laughs> yeah, pandemic. Okay. Um, if you don't agree with that, that, that's okay. You do the science. You do whatever. Uh, you do what you feel you need to do. But I, I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, if nothing else, I look at all this and, Number one, God's in charge. Always has been, always will be. All right? And what God allows, and if this is, if I see things right, and I, I think I do, I could be wrong, but this is a, uh, things are getting ready for end time. And I am per, I'm completely convinced that the rapture could take place tonight. Amen. Convinced of that. And what we're seeing is the world being prepared for the tribulation, okay? Uh, which ought to really encourage us to do all that we can to seek to reach people for Christ. Amen? Amen. To be a witness to a lost world that desperately needs the Lord. Um, so I, I was, I'm sorry, let me finish the story here and I'll, I'll get to the message uh, so there were four churches in British Columbia that were fined for having church services. Uh, I think at least three of them were fined right around a total. Now, the, the one was fined the last time I checked. It was 19 different times he was, that church was fined. Another one was 17. Another one was 15. And so they're all right around $50,000 fines, each one, Okay. So they had one lawyer representing all four churches. They went to court, and uh, this would have been last, last month, uh, or, or, yeah, last month. They went to court, and the judge deliberated for, for two weeks, came back, and he found the churches guilty. Now, what's important that we need to understand is, in order for the judge to find these churches guilty, he had to disregard the Constitution of Canada. He had to disregard the Charter Rights or the Bill of Rights for Americans, right? The Charter Rights of Canadians. He had to disregard the promise from the Queen uh, that there will be liberty to worship God. All right? Push those things aside and supersede it with the emergency COVID mandate. All right? I hope that sinks in. That's why I'm calling this communism. It's not far from it, okay? Um, it's sad when you say we, we reject the Constitution, okay? 
so I, I tell our folks, I said, keep your eyes on the United States. Amen. Uh, especially keep your eyes on states like Texas and Florida and Mississippi and others, Missouri, that have opened up. Uh, Texas is having ball games with 42,000 people in the stadium. All right? Uh, if, if you go to Florida, I'll guarantee you the beaches are full. All right? And everything I understand, and I could be wrong, but I, I'm not hearing of anybody getting COVID. Okay? Interesting. Okay? It is a real virus. There's no question about that. Uh, our, two of our children have had it. And uh, we, we understand we had friends that almost died from it. Uh, I had a pastor friend that did pass from it. And so it is very real. But uh, so is the seasonal virus every year. Amen. All right. Enough of that. Uh, and I, if that bothered you, forgive me. I'm sorry. Um, I want you to think about this as I, as I get prepared this message I want you to think about this illustration. Um, towards the end of World War II, uh, United States and Allies fighting Japan, the Japanese were amazing, amazing uh, country, amazing people. And, and I give them credit for that in that, in that, in that sense. Do you realize that during the boxing war, boxer wars, and that would have been way back, the boxing wars that Japan overtook China three different times. Um, uh, this little island, Japan. Um, Japan, they were fierce people. I mean, they were sending, towards the end of the war, they were sending kamikaze planes into ships. I mean, giving their lives up, knowing that they're going to die. If, they, if, if those planes coming in weren't shot down first, and if they hit, the, if they hit those ships, they were going to die in that explosion. And if I'm correct, and I think I am in this, if somebody wants to correct me, that's fine later, but most of the cosmicology planes did little or no damage to the ships. Nothing serious for the most part. I'm sure there might have been a few, but for the most part, very little damage. But these people were bent on doing whatever they needed to do to win the war. Okay? Again, a fierce people. All right? And I know the president and his advisors came to the conclusion that this war is going to go on and on and on and on unless we make a drastic decision to do something very, very serious, to put a stop to it. And you know where, I think you know where I'm going with this, the atom bomb. And there were two bombs that were dropped upon Japan. And there were approximately 80,000 people that were killed from those two bombs. Now, what I want you to think about here is when those bombs came down and approximately 80,000 people were killed, Japan very quickly had an unconditional surrender. 
that they presented to the United States. Unconditional surrender. Okay? I have to, in my own mind, I have to think there could have been 80,000 people that never lost their lives if they just would have surrendered earlier. Amen? 80,000 people. I don't want to get in the argument who should have done what or what. No. But this is the reality. 80,000 people could have been saved, could have had their life if they just would have surrendered prior. But they were bent on doing everything but surrender. Now, I want to make this application to people surrendering to God. And a absolute unconditional surrender. Amen? I surrender all. All to thee I surrender. And I want to think about two groups of people. First of all, the lost and then the saved. And we can all relate to the lost because we've all been there. Amen. And you may be here tonight and you fall under that category. You are not saved. All right. And my question is, why not? Why will you not get saved? Because I don't want to surrender. You know, I, I truly believe that this is this is scriptural. I believe in order for anybody to be saved, they have to surrender all. You cannot come to God for salvation with a, these are my lists, Lord, I'll do this if you do this. You're not going to God with a contract and making an agreement Amen. And there's and there you're going to negotiate things with God. Amen. I got saved at the age of 20 and I had to come to the conclusion of conviction in my own heart that there's absolutely nothing good about Rick Getty. Nothing. I am a sinner. And my sin separates me from a holy and a righteous God. And I deserve the wrath of God abiding upon me, as John chapter 3, verse number 36 says. I deserve that. I deserve to spend eternity in hell as a lost person. I deserve that. Okay? And so, when I got saved... I'm not saying I'm a perfect person. I think we all understand that for each of us. But I had to have a broken heart over my sin condition and cry out to God, the only one that can save me. Amen? And seek his forgiveness and receive Christ as my Lord and Savior because he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Amen? There is no other way. There is no other negotiating. Amen. 
is only through Christ Jesus. And so there has to be that humility, that brokenness because of my sin condition. Amen? Now, I, I think of a lost person and where they are right now in their life without Christ and then where the, what's the end of it all, okay? And so with that, with that in mind, look if you would please Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians chapter number two gives a very clear description of what a lost person is like. The Bible says in verse number one, and you have the quickened, the word quickened means to make alive. And you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Right? And so a lost person is dead spiritually in trespasses and sins. Right? My sin separates me from a holy and righteous God. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant, covenants of promise, having, notice this, here's, here's the condition of a lost person, having no hope and without God in this world. Having no hope. So what's the condition of a lost person? There is no hope. And they're without God. Wow. That's a pretty sad situation. Again, as, as a person here tonight, every one of us, that's where we were. So we can understand that. We can relate to that. And it should help us to appreciate what we do have in Christ Jesus. But think about this. Where's the hope for this world today? What, more stimulus? Get, uh, money given out by the government? That's our hope? And, and, and run down the whole country in the process? Wow. Where, where's our hope? Is our hope that, oh, we're going to get through this pandemic and things are going to get back to normal? Well, what's normal? What was normal before the COVID 14 months ago? I don't see much difference in human nature. Do you? Has man changed his nature since his COVID? Still a sinner. Still has to do with pride. Still has to deal with, you know, the things of this world. So I, I don't see any difference there. So where is, where is man's hope prior to the COVID? Where's man's hope during the COVID? Where's man's hope going to be? And we're talking about a lost person after the COVID. They stand in need of Christ. And circumstances don't change that. Amen. My hope's not in the government. My hope is not in somebody else other than Christ. And my hope is certainly not in me. I tell people this. As a, as a, I have problems. 
sin problems. How about you? Amen. Before salvation and after salvation, I have sin problems. I'm not the answer to my sin problem. I am the problem. The problem doesn't fix the problem. Amen? We need Christ. And so, for the lost person, what's the end result? What's, what's the outcome of all this? They're going to die in their sins. And the Bible talks about the great white throne judgment in Revelation. And everybody that's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, every single person is going to stand before God and the books are going to be opened and they're going to be judged according to everything that's written in those books. What, what's written? All their sins. And the Bible says that no man will be able to stand before God in the sense of standing for and defending themselves. They're guilty. And they'll be cast into the lake of, hell, uh, lake of fire forever and ever, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. There's the end result of a lost person that will not surrender to God. Amen? You know, the Bible says this, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, I, I think that probably, scripturally, probably the greatest, I won't say soul winner, but conscious of soul winning in the Bible was the rich man in hell. Amen? And he begged for Abraham to send Lazarus back to his father's house, for I have five brethren, let's say, also come to this place of torment. But the truth of the matter was, it's too late. Amen? Uh, uh, a lot said that there's a great, great gulf fix between uh, paradise, Abraham's bosom, and hell. So that they which are, are, are passing to there cannot hear, go here or vice versa. And, and so Lot was not allowed to be able to go back. It's too late. But here's a man that is in hell, in torment, and understanding the truth of that and realizing, wait a minute, I've got five brothers. Somebody needs to reach them. Somebody needs to go and tell them. Wow. Well, folks, even the lost in eternity will not get away from that truth. Even the lost will recognize that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, the Savior. But it'll be too late. Why? They never surrendered in this lifetime. Amen. What about the saved person? You know, again, in order to be saved, you had to surrender. But what we find oftentimes... And, and I, I'm guilty of this. I'm sure that you are probably guilty of this to some degree. We find that as a saved person, there was a time in my life where I surrendered. I, I said, Lord, this is your life. 
And I want you to lead and direct. And I want you to be not just my Savior, but I want you to be my Lord. And with a true heart, desiring and meaning that. You know, oftentimes it doesn't stay that way as a saved person. Oftentimes we start taking back, if you will, real estate from God. Lord, I gave this to you, but I want it back. Lord, I gave that to you, but I want that back. And I start living for the things of the world and living for my will instead of his will. So what just happened to that unconditional surrender? It's not there anymore. Amen? Now, if you've been there and truly you've been to the place where you Unsurrender, you, you unconditionally surrendered God. I am quite confident that there was a tremendous peace in your heart. There was a tremendous joy of just knowing the presence of God in your life. You could put your head on your pillow at night and know that you're right with God. There's nothing standing in between. Folks, money can't buy that. Anything that this world can offer you will never, never, never substitute for that. Amen. All all that we can have in Christ Jesus as his child comes through an unconditional surrender to him. Paul used it this way. He said, I die daily. Amen? Because Paul understood, I'm paraphrasing, forgive me, but Paul basically said the same thing that I just said. The the things that I don't want to do, that I know are wrong, that I know are displeasing to God, those are the things I find myself doing. And the things that I want to do that I know that are right and pleasing in God's eyes, Those are the things I find myself not doing. Wow. And so Paul understood that that's that human nature that can take control of our lives if we allow it to. And Paul realized, I must put that underneath. I must uh, suppress my will and my desire and my life if I'm going to have a complete surrendered life to God, if I'm going to enjoy the fellowship with God that I used to have, that I know that I can have, amen, there has to be that surrendered life. And so Paul understood what I need to do. I need to die. Not physically. I need to die spiritually. I need to die to self. Now, the Bible talks, Paul wrote this as well under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so it's not I, but it's Christ living in me, in through me as well. All right? We can see this, look if you would please, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And, you know, this is not just in theory, all right? This is lived out in Paul's life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23 through 28. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. That summed up Paul's life as a missionary and given himself to the Lord. Everywhere that Paul went, he, he went through persecution. All right, he goes on, verse 24. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice, or three times, uh, was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, and night and day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils, uh, uh, in perils of robbers, in perils uh, by, uh, uh, I'm sorry, in Robbers in perils by uh, my own countrymen. I'm sorry, I don't have my glasses. My own countrymen in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And go, Wow. I mean, here's Paul's testimony of all that these perils, these sufferings, these trials that he went through as a Christian. Now, notice what did not what you don't see here. You don't see Paul quitting. Amen. You don't see Paul saying, wait a minute, Lord, that's enough. Lord, I've served you faithfully, but, you know, no more. That's it. I mean, I've been nigh unto death often. I've been put in prison over. I've been beaten and whipped. And, and he was stoned to death in Lystra. You know what he did? Second missionary journey, he went right back to Lystra again. You say, is he crazy? No. He submitted his life to God, and he knew it was God's will for him to go back. He spent three years in Ephesus. He says, for three years, night and day, labored in the word of God with them. Well, if you'll read about his life and experience in Ephesus, he said that they were like beasts. They, they were like beasts in the way that they treated Paul. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to just go somewhere where everybody's lovely and everybody's kind and every, everybody just wants to be, you know, your best friend? That's not the way it was. And Paul kept on giving and giving and giving of himself. Because he understood that's what Jesus did for him. Jesus gave it all. 
Then I want you, let me put in one more thought here. So we see the lost that will not surrender. And we see a miserable life. Amen? We see the saved surrender, but oftentimes take it back. There's no peace. There's no joy. Oh, I'm going to heaven, but what about now? What about in this life? Amen? When we could have the goodness of God in that relationship with the Lord now. Amen? If we'll just surrender to the Lord. One more. The greatest surrender of all, Jesus. He surrendered all, unconditionally. I don't have time to read Isaiah 53, but you go back there and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. We find that it pleased God to bruise him. We find that God the Father was satisfied, for by my righteous servant shall many be justified. Wow. We find even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, as he was sweating great drops of blood, and he said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but thy will be done. Complete surrender. Surrender to God the Father. This is your will, and I surrender to it. And Christ gave all. God the Father gave all for us. And Paul writes, for the love of Christ constraineth us and ought to constrain us. It ought to compel us to live for him. If I'm going to live for him, I have to, by necessity, surrender all and die to self. Amen.